Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Welcome to Stand One. It's the best venue in the universe. The Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast. Or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Oh, my goodness. You're in Oh, come on, it's, it's, I'm a week in now. I can't have that kind of excitement. Uh, so, uh, uh, there's... Uh, oh, did I bring my... Yes, I did. I'm so, so I'm scatty. I'm scatty as anything. We've got two guests on today. It's very exciting. We've got uh, uh, Ahmed Jalili and Ben Moore as a last-minute addition. He's my... I searched far and wide for Ben Moore. He sleeps in the next room to me in my flat. <laughs> I, I could have got brought my wife on. She's in the same room. So, I, you know, I, I'd have to do some actual... Agile work to get him on, but he's fantastic. I'm delighted to have him on. Took a lot of persuasion and a lot of money to get him here today. Uh, so uh, I went to see uh, the Alan Partridge film last night that I character I created, uh, and I, I don't get I don't get any money from that, Colin. It's annoying, isn't it? I was actually quite. I really like Alan Partridge. I really like Steve Coogan. I was fine with it until at the end I saw the credits come up and Patrick Marble was credited as creating Alan Partridge. He did not do. It. He did, he did not. Uh, so, <laughs> it's really good though, Apart, it kind of goes a bit sort of slapstick in the last third, but it's very, very clever and um, well done to Armando Nucci, Steve Coogan and Peter Bainham, who, Peter Bainham of course wrote the remake of the film Arthur, so that is the, that's the calibre of the person they have involved, <laughs> involved on the show. Uh, it's good, go and see it. Uh, I'm not going to see the shows, I'm going to see films. Uh, the uh, uh, the Edinburgh Zoo is in the news because a panda has become impregnated, uh, possibly, uh, um, during the fringe time, which is suspicious. Uh, we, had, uh, we had Rory McGrath on the other day, didn't we? And he, he's got a panda costume and quite a rapacious sexual appetite. So I think if that panda comes out with a shock of curly hair and a red face uh, and the propensity to beat people up in the street, uh, then, uh, yeah, I wasn't brave enough to do it when he was here, was I? Uh, so, <laughs> for good, with good reason. Uh, so it's, there's, there's a perfectly innocent explanation uh, and um, yeah, that's not very good. Hull City uh, have got renamed themselves. Hull City Football Club have renamed themselves the Hull City Tigers, which I think is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm going to rename York City the York City Pterodactyls. It's terrifying. You can't just rename, you can't name a football team the Hull City Tigers, can you? Sounds like something from American football. Grow up, Hull. So at least call yourself the Hull City Stinking of Fish Fuckers. That's what, that's what you are. Come and have a go when you're as good as York City. That's why I say, Hull. Oh, we win the battle of the ridings. Um, so, fuck it, we've got two fantastic guests, so I'm just going to crack on with it, and one of them has a show to get to uh, called uh, Each of Us, I think. Uh, should really know. Uh, <laughs> there's loads of posters and leaflets all around the flat. I should, I, of all people, should know what it's called. Will you please welcome, he's best known for his appearance on the TV show Planet Mirth. Um, which was on ITV1 at 2am every day <laughs> in the late 1990s. It's Ben Moore, ladies and gentlemen! Ben Moore! Ben Moore! Morning, How you doing, Ben? Good, thanks, Rich. How are you? I'm, well, well, I saw you this morning in the flat. Um, did you enjoy your porridge? My porridge was better than your porridge. It always is. I didn't ask him any questions uh, over the breakfast because I thought I'd save them up for now. <laughs> could you could you remember to uh, wipe up after yourself in the kitchen? Well, it's a bit. You a bit like using the dishwasher. I, I prefer do. to do it by hand, and we yeah. argue about that. Well, he does it by hand by just using. I saw him. I'm sorry, him washing up by hand today. He was washing a chopping board, which is a I think filled with bacteria, 
with just a uh, sponge and no uh, washing up liquid. Which is I why I like to use the dishwasher. That's but if you put it in the domestic. dishwasher without having washed it up, and you yeah. need a chopping board, you've got a dirty washing. You're a chopping board, don't you? And you can so pick you it out. Wash it. Then you can pick it out and wash up with some fairy liquid. Which that's, what that's what I'm Is it too much to ask? No. So uh, anyway, oh, I've known Ben. You for see long. what I live with. I've known Ben. For, we're the original odd couple. We have two of us. One of us is messy, and the other is messy in a different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I've known Ben for a long time. I met him uh, at uh, university when he was wearing an orange cagoule. <laughs> that is what I remember from back to when he stood it. We were indoors. It wasn't raining. It was raining was on the way there. And I don't think it was. And it was a, it was a meeting <laughs> um, about the Edinburgh Festival for 1988. So Richard done the Edinburgh Festival in 1987. I just come up to university, and uh, Richard taught me the brilliant technique at that party of being able to steal a wine bottle from a party by putting up the sleeve of your coat. <laughs> if you've ever done it, Richard invented that. He's very good at doing that. So I used to steal. In fact, we went to the Cambridge Footlights party uh, that year at Lincoln, and they were our enemies because we were in the Oxford Review. And I stole loads of their wine. Did you? I think they caught me and were quite angry that I'd, oh. that I'd come to their party and then just stumbled into some of their <laughs> and gone somewhere else. It was quite rude, but fuck me, Cambridge, Cambridge fuckers, eh? Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll be on all that. But actually, you were the, 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 one of the questions uh, on this podcast uh, relates back to an incident that happened uh, with on a long-running uh, enemy, Keith Allen. And you were there at the start of this. Because you were the one who, was, who Keith Allen nearly killed. You were a 19-year-old child. I was. Keith Allen essentially bullied. When we were in the Oxford Review, yeah. uh, he turned up. What are your memories of that occasion? To see if my memories are correct. Well. Um, we were just students. We were the young, you know, you see these young, beautiful people flowering on the raw mile every day, and they're just with innocence and passion for their work. And we were kind of like that, only um, Rich was rich and I was me. Um, but we did the show, and it was a fa fantastic sketch show. Was the, these were the late 80s when sketches were still around, and you know, you could do that stuff. Before um, stand up comedy, the political stuff had become really, really popular. And uh, we got this sketch show, and one of the sketches was um, a, a, a suicide, a guy on the edge of a building who was about to throw himself off, and the, the world's worst person to talk someone down uh, decided to offer his assistance, and that was Rich. And we, they built this sort of extra high turret at the back of the stage, and every night the punchline was, oh no, he's jumped anyway to get away from the most annoying man in the world. Very kind of clever. It was. It was, it was a twist on what you expect. Um, I said in it, um, he said, why are you wearing that shirt? And he goes, what a nice shirt. I go, I thought you'd have worn a jumper. Jumper! <laughs> 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 that was one of the jokes, and it was good. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but we decided, we put a, a crash mat at the bottom, because, you know, it was, it was quite a long, high jump. And, um, you know, I had to do it every day. And uh, the middle of the, it was quite early the in the show, wasn't it? It was the first sketch in the show. And um, it was a charity benefit night, press night, so people hadn't really paid for their tickets. And uh, Keith Allen got a free ticket because uh, he was meant to be reviewing for a BBC Two show or something like that. He decided he, at that stage, after the first sketch, that the show was so awful, he'd walk onto the stage, rip up his ticket, pull away the crash mat, and say, Jump now, you jumper. Yeah, and, um, it was and then, yeah, I don't like to uh, use that old language at this time of the day. And um, I don't like to use. Well, can you say fucker for the people who are listening to it, like it's an after the watershed? Okay. John, <laughs> now you fucker. Thank you. Um, and then he punched to, um, the, the venue manager on the way out, saying, you know, this is all a terrible artistic failure. 
You know, we were young, we were tiny people. Yeah, you would have seen it. No. The first sketch. I know. He decided beforehand he wasn't going to like yeah. it. And then he reviewed So, what things. Richard decided to do was, for safety reasons, push me off anyway. <laughs> and uh, just see what happened. And I survived. It was a risk. But imagine if Keith Allen, essentially Keith Allen, had killed yeah. Ben Moore via the medium of me. Yeah. I mean, I would have probably had it on my conscience for a bit. Yeah. I would probably dedicate my April shows to you, sure. but I'm not going to do that. Sure. Anyway, right? I mean, I say safety reasons, safety for, for, the, for the art. Yes. You know, you, you want to make the sketch consistent for everyone else who's still singing. But then we did another version of it after well, we I broke my did, collarbone. Did Johnny. Oh, God, yeah. Right. And we had to bring in a stump person to do the sketch out of my arm in the slings. Did you break your collarbone by me pushing off the thing on the No, no I broke it by uh, playing rugby and having a, an 18 stone American, me and the planet Earth crush together and my collarbone snapped. Talking of the planet Earth, oh, yeah? I know a lot of people here want to know all about that. When I mentioned it, there was a ripple went yeah. excitement <laughs> the audience. Uh, how is it working on Planet Earth with Emma, TV's Emma Kennedy? And Milton Jones and Reedy Lookwood. It was yeah. fantastic. It was the, the lowest budget TV sketch show in the entire history of television. And it was deliberately made to be broadcast at three in the morning. And it was all shot around Crouch End. It was a sci-fi themed sketch show, so yeah. you could write um, sketches of a sci-fi nature and uh, do sci-fi related monologues. Surprisingly, it hasn't survived into the 21st century, it was way before YouTube. Is it available on DVD? No. Is, it available? Is any of it on, none of it's on YouTube? No. Well, no, no maybe. I don't know. Well, it's a challenge. Someone's, Someone's got, got it. Planet Earth up on, on YouTube. It, it might be on the back of a cassette. Do you know when you find an old video cassette <laughs> and you just put it in? What's this? You put it in and there's that, and then a show, yeah. you start a show, you the end of a show. So if you did tape it, you'd always have the, um, the ITN news at three in the morning, <laughs> just someone talking about economics. And when you got the weird. Planet Earth gig, you go, yes, it's, this is it. This is, my, <laughs> this is my big break. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out for me. I created, I created Alan Partridge, look at me. <laughs> 21 years ago, I was on stage with Steve Coogan at yeah. the Edinburgh Fringe. Now, I was in the pilot. Anyway, 25 years ago, we were doing it Edinburgh together. Yeah. Look how far we've come. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in the pilot for knowing me, Were you? Yeah, yeah. I was one of uh, Cirque de Clou. Do you remember the episode where Alan goes to Paris and uh, there's a terrible clown act and uh, Alan gets, oh, they didn't do that. I didn't, they didn't see that in rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. I was one of those clowns. Yeah. So you were on the programme? Yeah, what went out? Yeah. Well, we, they, they, they did that episode in the series as well. It was a pilot. So uh, quickly, we'll also talk about Casanova, because oh, we yeah. want to film the film Casanova with our other guests. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, you have any great memories of that work with Heath Ledger? He was a lovely guy. That's my did you Did you kill him? Seemed a bit odd the way he came in, he was a lovely guy. I don't get it. I want to be. I, I just happened to be around that day with some sleeping pores. Yeah. Uh, um, no, that was so we shot that in the autumn of 2004. So I'd just done an Edinburgh show um, in August 2004, and then flew straight to Venice. And film stars. <laughs> and this t shirt. We've got two film stars on today. Yeah. This is a t shirt I've got on in Italy. Oh, is it? So it's Italia, and then my character's name on the back, and my number. Oh, it's kind of cool. Thank you. People at home, love that. People at home. Uh, I think we might have sorted out the issues. Uh, Jerry's been working on the. There's a lot of audio files out there. 
you uh, are annoyed there's been a little bit of a buzz on this. I mean, I think it keeps it more punk rock and re real. Uh, and also, I think audiophiles are discussing some of these sounds that they're complaining about, they want me to fiddle with, are less than an hour old. <laughs> and they're still asking me to fiddle with them. That's what, that's what gets on my nerves about those audiophiles. They disgust me. You're not an audiophile, are you? Colin, no, no, diff very different kind of file. <laughs> Frank, you love France, don't you? Francophile, that's what you love. Everything French. What if you like nails? A nail file. Nail file. Yeah, that's the kind of choice. What if you like What if you like Irish nails? Nail file. Every day. Talking about porridge and the dishwasher. So I, I thought Ben, it's not going to work because unfortunately <laughs> Ben Moore tells me that uh, he, he peels a banana the other way up. Like you would peel a banana like that, and you'd come down from this end, wouldn't you, man? Because you're normal and you're not a gibbon of some kind. <laughs> uh, ben, Ben, how do you peel a banana? Show you, you can do it. You can broken the hand. Hold on. To, yeah, but that's why it doesn't work. All when right. you showed it to me, that's what happened. I was hoping it would happen again, but so you hold it the other way up, the normal way. So you hold the banana. fibrous material that goes onto the, the, the fingers of the hand of the banana, as it were. You pinch the other end. Yeah. That all falls apart beautifully. Do it, Ben. Do it. Yeah, no, can't because it. Right, I need the banana. Oh, hold okay, well, do you want a, a, another incident that year um, yeah. at the Oxford Review? You made me eat a Twix on stage that's made to live for I your did. amusement, to the heckling of the dugouts and the all-stars. I didn't even make me eat it. I kind of offered you a Twix for Dancing to Dancing Queen and then stamped on the Twix. That's right. It was uh, after you danced the Dancing Queen. It was an unpleasant act. You know, let's not go back over that. So you pinched the end. Yeah. Oh, you see, it's all. Yeah, well, that's why you don't do this. There's a perfect demonstration of why we should keep peeling bananas and all. Because that, the you've got that horrible, dirty bit that you throw side away. come over really well. You eat to that side and you use that as a handle. And, it's and then it breaks. Yes. Pops out. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? What a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to be difficult to talk to Ben about his, he's now eating a banana. It's a beautiful visual treat for the people who come. You told me to eat a banana. I did. Keep eating it. Oh, yeah. uh, while you're eating the banana, I'll tell you, while you're eating the banana, I'll tell them uh, some of the reviews. Ben Moore can't give out these leaflets at the end because uh, he's got, got to rush off to do this show. And you should do the same. Uh, midway through this, if you like. Uh, I've seen the best bit. Uh, this is his new show, Each of Us. The, honestly, your shows are the highlight. No eat banana, I can say this without you interrupting. Uh, they're the highlight of the, every fringe that you come to, which isn't every fringe. They're beautiful, they're witty, uh, and ev everyone should go and see these. Uh, the Guardian says it's a moving satire of the arbitrariness. Um, of the everyday rivaling the best of Douglas Adams. So you see, it's better than the worst of Douglas Adams, and it's rivaling the best. So it's better. It's much, it's much better than, say, the fifth one in the in the trilogy. Uh, but and it, it's as good as Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's what the Guardian think. It's a witty conjunction of cultural norms and ephemera. What the fuck is wrong? Who wrote that in the Guardian? Who was it, Ben? Let me get. I'm going to get them on as a guest. Punch them in the face. The Guardian. <laughs> it was. It, it says the Guardian. Therefore, it's uh, the, the Guardian. Financial Times has been reviewing you. It's big with businessmen, bankers. Oh yeah. It holds a surreal mirror up to our world. A surreal mirror. <laughs> but always, it's a mirror you're looking at. Then there's a fish in there. Ninjas and otters. But always yeah. grounding itself with acute real-life observations. 
That doesn't make that is surreal. That's a surreal mirror, but it's grounded with real life observation. That is a fucking surreal, surreal mirror. It's a real, surreal mirror. It's just real. This is real mirror. That's what they're saying. Your show is a real mirror. That is kind of, if you want, if you want to put that on the quotes of your posters, you can. Richard Herring, a real mirror. I have not seen it. It is a real mirror. The play is so dense, and the dazzling world plays wordplay such a pleasure. A charming and gentle piece of this surprising movie. What's on stage? .com. That's the that's the one that we're all waiting for. When we come to Edinburgh. I've got some stage. All right. Uh, okay. So what it is? It's an hour long. Me telling a story. Yeah. With um, three different sections about human connection and what a, how we find meaning in our lives. But it's funny, you know. It it's, is funny. it's strange and funny and beautiful and. Um, Everyone should go and see it. And you can get a badge. We can buy the, the books available oh, at yeah, fasterstripe.com. Yeah. And you're going to give one away. I'm going to give one away upon the prizes. Someone's going to win. You won't have to go. You can just read it. <laughs> it's not as good just you reading. Because Ben probably will read it out better than you will, madam. No offence. You might be, you know, you might be Judy Dench. I can't quite see in the, <laughs> the lights. <laughs> I can't quite see. She's a very attractive woman. Uh, she's a little old. I'll accept that, madam. Uh, and uh, you've been uh, More Trees to Climb. That was my first book. That was yeah. three of my other one-man shows that I brought to Edinburgh in um, the 2000s and the cool. 1990s. Yeah, I've been coming up for 25 years. 25 years. This is your um, Silver Jubilee. Yeah. You haven't come up to all of them, Ben. No, no, no. Like some of us nearly have. Sure. <laughs> nearly. Uh, but I've been doing solo shows at the Pleasance since 1993. On and off. And, um, you know, it's been fantastic. And I love doing them. And, um, you know. And you saw Bouncy Castle Hamlet, didn't you? Bouncy Castle Hamlet. Did anyone else see that? It's fantastic. Have you talked? Have you talked? I've told everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Bouncy Castle Hamlet. You think, oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a version of Hamlet on a Bouncy Castle, and then they do the entire Hamlet, which is like three and a half hours. So you know, you see it all. But the brilliant bit is the play within the play when Hamlet sort of tries to get the attention of the king or something. They bring on a smaller bouncy castle. Inside the bouncy castle. Genius. Um, Ophelia, and they're bouncing around. They're doing all their speeches. They're doing proper Hamlet. Bouncing around. Ophelia splits her dress after one scene. She comes back on in the next scene with pins, you know, um, uh, safety pins, keeping it together. Rips again, and the safety pins are on the bouncy castle. And you're thinking, oh, this is not going to attend it very well. However, I'm going to watch the whole of this show just to see what happens. And it was fantastic. And they did Bouncy Castle Dracula the following year, I think, yeah, as well. That was just, they were selling out. They weren't, yeah. they weren't in the formula. <laughs> but they did Bouncy Ghosts. Man. It was fantastic. And it's the sort of the brilliant thing about the fringe is that, you know, you'll get to see those things. And if I can say one thing to everyone, go and see something that you don't know what it's going to be like and surprise yourself. Um, and just have a fantastic time out there. I mean, I, I love seeing shows. I saw a fantastic show about Dungeons and Dragons the other day. Um, Luke Roberts' Sock Puppet is brilliant. Uh, MJ Hibbert's Total Hero Team is fantastic. And, but my top tip is um, the Peter Doig exhibition at the National... Has anyone been to see it yet at the National Gallery? These people just come to the podcast, that's all they do. These people, well, just sits here all day <laughs> waiting for the podcast. Okay. You watch the other shows that are on here. Well, give yourself a break and you know, go there and just... And go and see Ben Moore playing either each of us at the Pleasance. What time is it on, Ben? 3.30 every single day. You better get a move on, Ben. So you've got to get a move on, Ben. Thanks so much. So, Ben Moore, give it up to my guest, Ben Moore, who's going to get back right now. Don't forget Patsy. Please don't see his guys. He is fantastic. He is the original Daniel Kitson. Daniel Kitson ripped him off. He is better than Daniel. I'll say this now, he's gone. 
though he eats bananas in an odd way and should not be allowed to live. Uh, so, <laughs> and he doesn't, I mean, that's pathetic. You've got to wash up. You, you use fairy liquid or something, don't you? When you're some kind of detergent column and you're cleaning a chopping board of all things. Yeah. Yeah. Even Colin does that. <laughs> that's how strange Ben Moore is. So, look, we're going to have a five minute uh, break with some stand up from a newer act. Uh, I'm very excited to see. I've been hard to recommend it to me. Will you please welcome the amazing Michael J. Dolan? It's lovely to be here at this horrible arts festival that you put on every year. Um, it's, there's a lot of shit on, isn't there? Um, I, there is. Somebody fired me for something that was like a mixture of avant-garde jazz and contemporary dance the other day. Like two of the worst things on earth combined to make one ultra-bad thing. There's nothing worse than jazz, is there? Miles Davis wasn't a genius. That's just the noise you get when you give a smack at a trumpet. Um, it's, there's, a, there's a weird point with the Fringe every year where... The thing is, you reserve like a special brand of hate for people that remind you of yourself, don't you? And there's a weird point at the fringe where the program comes through, and I flick through it, and I see all the nobodies and the losers all clamouring for attention, and I think, oh, I've just added my name to that list again, haven't I? I don't think you should be able to see yourself. Like, I don't, I don't like having mirrors in my house. We've got a lot of mirrors in the flat that I'm staying in at the moment. I, it's, it's, it's a window into torment that I don't need. You shouldn't be able to watch yourself deteriorate, I don't think. It's awful. And I am deteriorating as well. Like, really badly. Uh, a piece of one of my teeth fell out the other day. Like, not a tooth, a piece. A triangular piece of one of my teeth just fell out of my face onto the table in front of me. In the middle of the day. And I was gigging that night and there was a woman in the audience who turned out to be a dental nurse. And I said, is that normal for bits of your face to just fall out? And she said, how old are you? And I said, 35. And she went, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and I realised at that point that all I've really got left now, if I'm lucky, is 40 years of watching myself shut down and die. Because, good afternoon everything by the way. Because, um, we're not meant to live as long as we do. This is the truth. Like, we've artificially extended life expectancy far past the point where we're useful now. Like, if, if you're like me, if you're in your mid to late 30s and you're wondering why you find it hard to lose weight and you keep forgetting things and you keep running out of breath, it's because you should be dead. <laughs> we're not meant to be here at all. And I'm quite looking forward to death in a lot of ways, actually. Um, if only because it's so satisfying when you finally finish something, isn't it? Um, if I could choose how and when to die, I think violently and in public. It's how I'd like to go. I want to cause a commotion when I die. I want the people who witness my death to have their lives ruined by it. That's what I want. I want years after the fact somebody to turn to their friend and go, you remember that time we were in Tesco's and that guy just fucking burst? <laughs> remember? That old guy just threw his basket down and went, fuck it, enough, and just blew up. It was all meat and pubic hair and yogurt. Do you remember? I am... Um, prepared for death as a society. I'm quite prepared, I think, in a lot of ways, because I had a near-death experience uh, a few years ago. Um, what happened to me was, like, a proper one as well, not a shit one like your friends have had, where they're like, oh, I lost it on some ice and nearly crashed the car. I had a real one. What happened to me was, well, what happened was my grand died, and what, we decided to have a funeral. I don't know what you would have done, but the problem was, on the day of the funeral, nobody had told me that we were burying her in a family plot. And I was out of my mind on the day. I was really ill. I was delirious. I flew for about three days. I was up with tits on night nurse. I didn't know what was happening. And nobody had told me that we were burying her in a family plot. And that the only person who'd already been buried there was my dad's little brother who I'd been named after. So 
As I'm stuck there, out of my mind on medication. What's happening? Watching my entire family lower a coffin into a grave in front of a gravestone with my name on it. For two days, I really did think I was dead. I can't end there, can I? Um, I it's, the thing is, there's like a myth that comes out of this life extension stuff. It's all egoless stuff, like this artificial extension of life. Scientists believe that the first person who will live to be 150 years old is alive now. This is something that's happened. Like somebody who's currently alive will live for 150 years. I can't imagine anything worse than that, to be honest. Everything fucking hurts now. I can't imagine getting to 90 and thinking, oh, only another 60 years of this shit left. <laughs> and we're aging as a population as well, and we haven't got the resources to deal with it. And I think we know this deep down. I think you can read like the fears of the age in the popular fiction of the day. And I think that's why we're all obsessed with zombies and zombie films and zombie fiction and stuff. We know there's a plague coming, but it's not a plague of zombies, it's a plague of old people. <laughs> what happens when the dead won't die? It's fucking transparent. I don't know what I'm trying to say, we should be euthanizing our old people. <laughs> if only because they've got all this stuff. They have, I'm never going to own property, I've had that made very clear to me. The baby boomers ruined everything for the rest of us. They spent all the money, fine, they used all the fuel, alright, I get it. They ate all the fish! It's a renewable resource! They'd have stopped eating fish for five minutes. There'd be more fish. Nobody gets as angry about this as I do. I don't understand why. They should be furious. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm doing a show at 4pm at the Guild of Balloon. Those are all the jokes from it, and then there'll be 45 minutes of padding. So if you want to see that, uh, thank you very much. Michael Dingo, very good. Go and see him. Do go and see him. Um, so uh, I've just noticed the back of your T-shirts. You're on a little trip together. What does it say on the back of your T-shirts? Edinburgh Fringe Road Trip, or yeah. it's all the cool kids are calling it A. Yeah. 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 Some cool kids are calling it that. The people in behind you can read that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've missed an A off there. It should be AAA, not AA, because it's AA and. That's the A, and the and is an A as well, so you're going to have to have those uh, t shirts reprinted. So. <laughs> if you could just uh, all take them off now and throw them, you might as well just take them off and throw them away. Uh, well, I'm in this little bubble here, I'm allowed to do whatever, I'm not so much, you can keep yours. So, um, <laughs> I've got something to leave for Ben after the show, of course, uh, uh, So, Ben Moore is fantastic, do go see him, Michael J. Dolan's fantastic, and will you please welcome my final guest for today, he's from the films Mean Machine and Alien Autopsy, I can't believe I managed to find two more bad ones when I already did two the last time he was here, it's Ahmed Jalili, ladies and Hello, how are you doing? Good, man. Good, very good. Do you remember much about Alien Autopsy? That was uh, Anton uh, Deck's uh, hit at getting onto the big screen. Yes. He stayed on the small screen afterwards for some reason. Uh, yes, I, uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a lot of films, so that is, you know, and many of them are fantastically great. Yes. In fact, I was reading about, um, or uh, somewhere about you. People, some, someone in a chip shop or something watching Gladiator, what was this? this, this yeah, that's true. That's that a story. Uh, do you, how did you hear it off Twitter? I don't know, I saw it somewhere in a, maybe in an interview. Um, we were rehearsing Shawshank Redemption in Bethnal Green and uh, we just walked past this chip shop and there was this massive cheer and excitement and people grabbing me. And they pulled me in, they were watching Gladiator at the point where Oliver Reed grabs my balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're here, what are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be somewhere with that. Yeah. I'm a 
free bag of chips. <laughs> keep the mic nice and close to your face so the audio file, if you want to yes, make the audio files, the, please. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's it. Just, it's just for the audio yeah. files, I don't really care about them. So you are doing the show. We had Ian Lavender on the other day from the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. He was, it was a bit of a strange show for Ian to... Uh, he's a, I told him he was a big hero of mine. Yes. And then uh, Tony Law was also on the show and was a little... He was, he was very happy for some reason. He was, very, he was enjoying himself and he was a little, was he was, here? He was he was a little was bit boisterous. Were you here for that one, Colin? Did you see Ian Lavender? You can't remember. You can't! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I remember, it was like, it's like four days ago. Jeremy Ian Lavender from Dad's Army fame. You remember? You weren't here. Do you remember that? I think you remember if you were here. It was like. Do, do we all know who Ian Lavender is? Yes. Private Pike. In yeah. fact, I, um, you know, that scene he did, uh, Don't Tell His Pike, that's voted the most famous scene in sitcom history. Yeah. In fact, I did a sketch about that where we set, um, the, it was called Jihad's Army instead of Dad's Army. <laughs> we set it in Afghanistan and there was an American guy that had a word and then someone said, Whistle while you work. George Bush is a twerp, and then uh, someone said, uh, what's your name? I said, don't tell him, Abu Abdul Qasim <laughs> <laughs> American guy gets, does that guy have a nickname or something? <laughs> <laughs> he was very, uh, he's a, he is a bit of a legend, actually. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, a very, he's a very, very sweet man, and he's never been to Edinburgh, so he's, I think he's a bit shocked. I think the show he did here, he's shocked at how quick comedians are, and he was, I think he's kind of like a, Rabbit in headlights, but he's having apparently the best time of his life. So it's yeah, and I've heard great things. I've had great reviews for the short chat Redemption. I saw Davy Johns in the yes. streets. Uh, he's like, "How got to do five star review in the Times?" Was it? So yes, the, uh, five star. And there's a very embarrassing thing he said about me. Oh, really? Can't tell us. Well, it said that I was. Uh, I'm going to play Lear one day. Right. I didn't know what Lear meant. It's a jest, isn't it? A jet, yeah, jet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah, and I. Uh, I don't. Um, that is very nice, though. That is a very nice compliment. It's a very nice compliment, and it's. Uh, I think it's because everyone expects the film. It's not. It's not the film. It's. It's, it's from the novella Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption by Stephen King. Yeah. And uh, in the book, the part of Red, just played by Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman, it always brings so much spirituality and gravitas to his roles. He actually played God in Bruce Almighty. But in the book, he's a shyster. He's a. He's a killer. You know, people forget why people think. Oh, he's in prison. He stole some bubble wrap. Like he's so nice, but actually he's a killer and he's a wheeler dealer. And we were thinking of me playing in black. I was gonna—I I did a makeup test tonight. I just, just looked like Les Dennis doing an impression of Trevor McDonald. <laughs> so uh, the idea is that um, he was a squat, stocky. Uh, he's actually not even black in the book. He's an Irish guy. Um, yeah. So we're, we're doing an adaptation from the book. So it's very different from the film, and it's actually quite dark, it's much darker than what you remember. The film was dark itself, but this is a quite harsh dark. So if you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth having a... It's up at the, the assembly... Assembly rooms, yeah, 450. Oh, cool, cool, great, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can see that, so I will come and see that. And it's actually, I should say, the concept is very interesting, because it's mostly comedians. Yeah. We're trying to do it in 90 minutes with just 10 actors, so we shaved an hour off the film. And it's very interesting, you've got comedians like Terry Alderton yes. uh, doing it. And he's uh, he famously did Red Alert with Lulu in 2000. He always thinks that that's what's ruined his career. So while he's playing one of the sisters, which is one of the rapists, he, always, he does a scene, he rapes someone, and he goes, Lulu, what was I thinking? He's, <laughs> he's always ruined his career, so it's quite funny. With a mix of actors and, and comedians. Was yeah. So it's, it's, an interesting, it's, it's, a, it's a project, it's, it's, a, it's an experiment. We thought we'd start it off in Edinburgh. Yeah, because uh, that's that's the, the spirit of the festival. Do something experimentally. And is Owen O'Neill's 
Ian as well. Owen O'Neill is yeah. fantastic. He plays yeah. the book, Warden Stamus. Uh, in the in the in the film, it's Warden Norton, but actually in the book, there are actually four wardens, but we made him into one, and uh, he's just this redhead creep. Because he's a phenomenal stand-up, but he's also does yeah. uh, you know he comes to Edinburgh, does these. He's a phenomenal actor. I think if people don't know Owen O'Neill, or if you've not heard of him, he really he has a great comedy. And, and here, I think he gives a performance of a lifetime. Really? Right. And do you, do you think it's going to go on? Is it going to go on on tour, or are you just leaving it in Edinburgh? Um, we just want to do it in Edinburgh, and if, if there's offers, we'll probably do it for 2014. But here, we're just to try and build a new show. And it's yeah. also a movement art piece, and it's done with a, a, a set that moves around, so we all have to move. It's a real ensemble piece. So yeah. we, when we move the set, we we're, we pretend to be prisoners. It's all like the prison scenes, like because in prison they do put the canteen up. So we're doing all that. So it's a very experimental, new look at a very famous film. Great. Uh, and I'm quite interested in your first um, Edinburgh show, which uh, we don't, we don't we talked about. You've been on the show before, this show before, uh, but you were the short, fat kebab owner's son yes. in your first yes. Edinburgh. <laughs> that was the name of the show. Around 1994, and, and people thought I was Harry Enfield playing Stavros, <laughs> trying to get Stavros. So I was totally sold out. They just saw this kind of Iranian ponce who was wearing, I was wearing tails, and I had a bow tie, and I was going, hello, how are you? And people said, this is I remember actually Nigel Clarfeld um, one night came backstage and uh, he gave me that very Jewish advice. He said, Omid, uh, there's only three people in the crowd, so remember, there's no business like no business. You show shit which should never have come. <laughs> and he's still my manager now. <laughs> but he went from strength to strength. Are you doing a stand up show this year as well? Yes, I'm doing a stand up show. Tommy Shepard said that's part of your deal. You have to do a stand up show. So I said, well, give me a couple of weeks and then I think from the, thir from the 13th I'll be doing it. Okay. Stand-up show as well. Is it? Is it? It's a new show. It is a new show, actually. Yes. Have you been testing? Have you been road testing? I road at the Leicester Square Theatre. Yeah, where, yeah. Where you road test your stuff, but it was. Uh, I did it for a month because I knew I had to get it ready. So yeah. He's all here. He's been good. As he points to his head. <laughs> it's <laughs> shit, but I did so. I'm a mainstream Arab crowd pleaser, so if you like that kind of stuff, come along. And do we, I thought I'd like get a big laugh, but. <laughs> 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 I think that died last time. I was. <laughs> We were talking about Casanova with Ben. Do you remember? Do you have memories yes. of Casanova? Casanova was a really good, fun uh, experience. Um, of course, Heath Ledger passed away uh, a couple of years after that, which is a real shame. Uh, but it was, uh, we, we worked with a very famous director called Lasse Hallström. I don't know if you know him. He did My Life as a Dog. Uh, he's one of those really minimalist uh, Swedish directors. I remember one scene he goes, he goes, Omid, they want you now. You and Heath, you are waiting. Just do something. We keep the camera on you. So Heath was throwing, um, knife at a wall and I was bouncing a ball. He went, that's too much. He went, cut too much. I want you to stand and do nothing. He went, action. So I stood around and moved myself. He goes, that's too much. He goes, I, always, I want you to stand still with your face still. Do absolutely nothing. So I just stood there like this, my face straight. He went, action. I stood there. He went, cut. He goes, you can take it down a bit. <laughs> and he just said there was something glint in my eye. And I think I was thinking of some stupid thing I did at the time. because I can tell you're thinking of stupid stuff. That's how much the camera. So I remember that. It's minimalist direction. Just do nothing. Did do you, nothing. Did yeah. you take that on to uh, alien autopsy? That advice. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Brilliant segue. I was going to say they actually cut my bit because I wasn't good, but. Uh, in autopsy as well. You want to talk about all my shit films? I'm happy. Yes, I'm happy well, to it's much them. more interesting because people ask you yes. about the, the good ones all the time. Who, who talks to you about any autopsy? Yes. No one. No one has actually. This is the first time ever in, in uh, eight years that have passed. I actually don't remember much about it. I, um, a lot of people say it's not as bad as you think. That's the one thing. But then again, I get people in Scotland who. Uh, it's very odd when people stop you in the street and they say, I saw you. And so, like, someone just here goes, someone goes, I saw you 
I saw you in the Infidel. I saw you. And you know what it's like when people just have to say, Richard, I saw your show. Yeah. They give me an opinion. It doesn't say, it's very vulnerable. So he goes, as you saw the Infidel, Danny. And I said, well, what did you think? He goes, hey, it's a bit like man mind, you know. You either love it or you hate it. <laughs> and probably I said, well, what did you, what did you think? He went, sorry. <laughs> Or it's all right. That's, the, that's, the, that's what the Marmite advert should be. You know, it's like everything, really. Yeah. You either love it, you hate it, or you don't mind it. It's one of those three things. Or you quite like it, or you quite hate it. You take it or leave it. Like Marmite. Uh, <laughs> but you do, you're, you're like the Nadim Sawara of your generation, that you, uh, yes. you, you, can play any, you can play anything from, like, uh, from Pakistan, Afghanistani, right through the Middle East, yeah. every Mexican can play any King Lear, you yes. can play any, any part. It's, 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 to, to a racist or a casting director, it's no different. No, 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 Actually, there, there, there was a time where someone said, well, what's it like playing Arab scumbag? And I, said, and I had to say, excuse me, in the Bond film, the world is not the I was the second Azerbaijani oil pipe attempt. It was a major departure. <laughs> <laughs> but I did play also, uh, did we talk about that? So I did play Picasso as well. That was interesting. Yeah, I think we might have touched that. I won't talk. No, but what it was is that I, I, I played, um, Xavier Bardem was supposed to play. He pulled out yeah. five weeks ago and they. Uh, they just thought, they said, if you lose a little bit of weight, and you've got five weeks to lose weight, you could be a young, because no one's ever done Picasso age 36, 37, and I was 37 at the time. Yeah. And I didn't quite lose the weight. I remember at the Cannes Film Festival, someone said, excuse me, we see Picasso, he's quite overweight. Uh, can you explain this? And I said, can I, uh, yes, between the rose period and the blue period, there was the crispy bacon ported porcadelic <laughs> face. If you see Picasso was painting donuts in his hand. <laughs> I didn't get away with it. <laughs> I was slated. Uh, but yes, that was another one of my... Um, it wasn't quite so shit, that film. It was just a film that was, uh, out of 10,000 movies, was voted. Of all the movies that are being really badly rated by the critics, but highly rated by uh, the audience members, right. out of 10,000, that came in number six. Oh, right, okay. So it's a, it's a film that people love, but critics hate. That's interesting, isn't it? It, it is interesting. You'd think that it would be Alien Autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> that was also up there as well. I think that was at number 25. Not I, don't know if we spoke about, I don't know if we really spoke about The Infidel uh, last time you were on. I don't know if it, yes. it, it, it came out a couple of years ago, didn't it? Two or three it years came ago. Out, I think it came out around the time yeah, we were yeah. talking, so yeah. But we might, maybe we did talk about it. Because I mean, that's kind of interesting. I mean, that's all, I guess, a film that's about that, because you're, you're playing uh, someone who's brought up as... I forget which way, forget which way around it is. You can be brought up as an Arab and you find out you're a Jew. Yeah, it was David Badil had there. He watched me. He, said he, he was watching me do some stand-up, and he just said, "I've got an idea." And, it, and, I, and I said, "When he told him, I said, that's the that's the shortest film pitch in history." I said, "What's that?" He went, "Muslim finds out he's a Jew." Yeah. Which is the shortest thing, and it's basically a Muslim who whose mother dies, and then he realizes he comes across a birth certificate, and he realizes he's been adopted, and his real parents are Jewish. Um, so it was a lovely little film with Richard Schiff from the uh, from the West Wing, and, yeah, uh, right, yeah. and it, the film was um, went around the world, sold to sixty five yeah. countries. So yeah, it was it was a good fun. Uh, it's not it's quite good. as shit as in uh, autopsy. It was good. It was. Well, I'm not sure. I think I did see a bit of Alien Autopsy. It was, it was better than Alien Autopsy. The uh, <laughs> infidel. I put it on the poster. Better than Alien Autopsy. <laughs> but it's that's you know it is that's a very interesting point. Which again, I suppose that that it comes out of that idea that people view people who are very similar as being very different, and yet actually. You could swap them around and yeah. different. And yeah, it is. They're, they're very, there's, a, there's a lot more similarities actually. The differences between.
between yeah, and that's probably why I took on the role of uh, this, this part of Red in Shawshank Redemption yeah. because that's. Uh, I mean, I actually shaved today because someone said to me, "You kind of look like a Muslim cleric playing <laughs> Red," so I've shaved the beard off. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you, you have to earn the right to play. So I've done I've done my time playing you know Arab scumbags. Yeah, and it's nice to play um, a prisoner with some kind of depth and and I, and I think it's a it's a departure and I think you have to earn that right. You have to do a lot of films, you've got to do a lot of plays before you even think you can even prepare for a role. That's yeah. I just think like a stand-up, you could just go up and do it. And it doesn't work like that, you have to really prepare. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I, I went to an acting coach and she, she goes, you're playing Red? I said, yes. She goes, why are you doing this? I said, because all actors, when we take on a role, there's something we're missing that we feel we can gain by playing this role. She goes, she goes what do you think you're missing? I went, um, Gravitas, <laughs> I think I'm missing it. And she gave me this acting um, uh, a, a kind of exercise, which is to draw people to you. Because a lot of people are outward, but if you do this exercise and you draw people to you, then you don't have to try so hard. And so all the other actors saying, what's somebody doing? I'm in the corner of the room, doing this, moving this hand, my hand. You probably can't hear what I'm doing. I'm moving my hand towards myself. And it's just, uh, and it's, it's an exercise to help you have the confidence to bring out that quality. So yeah. it's an interesting thing. So that's, so there's a new um, way of, uh, I suppose, preparing for a role, which we'll have that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, I think like a lot of comedians do go on to be like fantastic, serious actors as well, yeah. don't they? Because I think there's something within, I guess if you can do the comedy, but a lot of actors want to be funny. That's the Yes. Thing. You meet actors, they go, oh, I wish I could do what you do. You know, and you kind of go, well, I Al Pacino, Al Pacino, I, I read a, a biography of him. He, uh, he started out as a stand-up comedian and a sketch comedian. And all he wants to do is be funny. In fact, some of the major directors, like Sidney Lumet, let him, well, when he did films like Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico, they just let Al do his, he'd like to do seven or eight takes, because he was like, Al, let's just have one when he throw it away. They do like a serious one. And that, the film was basically cut with Al Pacino's eighth take in the whole film, because he's, he's messing around trying to be funny. So yeah. a, lot of, a lot of those actors, but then again, some people like Terry Alderton, who is a very funny person, if you see him in this, it really will surprise you. He could actually be a really good actor because he's got this physical presence and he's actually, he scares people. Whereas when you see his act, you think, oh, he's good old Terry. But it's, 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 so I think some comedians have that real... Well, there's a sort of seriousness, I think, that I'm yeah. most good comedians anyway, so I think that's what comes out. I should have been completely, it's been so fascinating. I haven't even asked any of my emergency questions and people will be cross. I haven't even asked Ben any okay. of them. Um, if you had to marry uh, one of the Muppets, uh, yeah, and this is not, it's not just about having sex with them, it's, uh, you're going to choose the one that you think you would have the best chance of a lifetime with. Well, I think that the obvious answer would be Miss, Miss Piggy, yes, because yeah. I like shagging pigs, but they have to be halal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, the, that'd be the stock kind of Middle Eastern answer. Um, so she has to be dead, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> sort of in quite an unpleasant way. In order for me to marry her, then I'll marry her. I like the drummer, the drummer yeah. looks fun. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, animals. He went for animals. So that was uh, someone yesterday went for animals. Who was on yesterday, Colin? <laughs> oh, I'm asking you. You don't even know when you're here. Because sometimes you're not here, are you, Colin? Sometimes you just look like you're here, like a Jedi, dead Jedi, hovering there, and they're shrimping in the light. Can you see Colin? Some people can see him. Some people can't. <laughs> Jenny Godley and Ashley Story. Oh, was Jenny Godley and Ashley Story yesterday? I don't think he was only chosen animal though. It's all just good. It rolls into one for me. <laughs> it's, just, it's incredible. I get through this. I'm already. It's only, I'm only a third of the way through. Mind me. I mean, this is just a side to this guy. I don't know anyone. You took a lot of them. You can talk to them over there. 
Okay, another emergency question. Good answers, both good answers. Um, what age were you breastfed into, <laughs> if you were? 20. <laughs> I, I think I was only breastfed for a month. Oh, really? Yeah, and my mother had problems, so that's why. I actually got a lot of uh, childhood illnesses without it. Did you? Yeah, I think she had, uh, she had some problem, and amazingly, I was breastfed by the nanny. She also had a baby, so she was like doing many evil times. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very bizarre, yeah. Like you're King Edward the Seventh. And that's why I'm doing stand-up. I'm healing the wounds of my baby. That's what I'm it's doing. interesting. I thought this would be a frivolous question. That's the second day in a row it's led to quite a sad story. I'm spiraling now. Thank I'm going to ask that again. Um, this is a good Mummy! <laughs> Put an appy on you, you'd be a great, you'd be a great baby. I'm sure we can find some lactating woman who would suckle you. Would you suckle on with Julie? I'll do that. Have you ever felt, thought of that doing like, you know, Harry Hill does nuts and sells them Harry Hill's nuts? Have you ever thought about bringing out a piccalilli? Jalili Piccalilli, yes. That was one of the true and false questions on uh, Would I Lie to You? That was it. Yeah, yeah. And everyone bought they bought into it. <laughs> yeah. Big lie. Good. Uh, if you, would, you, business idea. would you rather be a cow or a badger and why? This is a question from an 11 year old Welsh boy that I have working for me. I think a cow. Oh, okay. Because there'll be always somebody in life kind of going under you, going. <laughs> physical humour doesn't work. Well. <laughs> I don't think he did. I think that was good. Uh, and uh, well, just for some people missed this question, but it's not really an Edinburgh Fringe question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would you rather? Would you prefer to have? Uh, well, I can't believe I have to read this. <laughs> would you prefer to have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? Which would you? Uh, would you have to choose one of those two things. You can eat the hand, but it will, but it will grow back. Okay. Depending how much you eat, it'll grow back at a certain pace. Maybe you, if you eat the whole thing, it'll take a month to come back. But the sun cream is only like maybe enough for, to, for two people for a year. It's not like an unlimited Willy Wonka armpit. Right. You can, it's only for your personal use. That's a very good question. <laughs> and it's quite philosophical. And, and it's actually made me think of something I saw um, in the street in Glasgow in April where I right. saw someone very drunk trying to get a bus ticket from a chocolate vending machine <laughs> whilst vomiting through his left nostril. That's an image that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So that's my only answer I can give. I'm sorry. That's okay, that is fine. And we must talk about Splash before, oh, uh, before you go, because I'm sure there are lots of fans of Splash. Anyone see Splash at all? Yeah. Do you know it's got not, the one, not the one with Daryl Hannah in it? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. Uh, Splash does have a second series, and after my uh, dive, they've, they've repaired the pool. <laughs> the show is now called Tsunami. Actually, interestingly enough. But Splash is a very. Um, one thing I did learn, this is these reality TV shows, I've, I've learned about ego and being a comedian. Um, is that it, when you do the 10 meter dive, which is anyone done, it's very, very scary. And when you do it, it really hurts. Like even when you dive and you think you've got your hands together and it breaks the fall, but it's still, every time it hits, you go boom like that. And I used to come out and they put smelling salts in me. And I go up again. I never go walk up there, it's like a, a chairlift for me comes to the And I go up there and I do it again, it would hurt. Because if you bang your head, on a beam, you know not to go by that beam again, but you know that you dive again and again because it's that important to be a celebrity. It's that important for people to love you. It's just so important. 
And it really is life-changing. And I'll tell you, it's a serious point, that the reason why I did it, why it was life-changing, because Tom Daly trains you. Yeah. And he kept telling me, you can do it. He stood there for about half an hour. He goes, you can do it, you can do it. And then he said, just think how good you'll feel and how well you'll sleep. And I said, that, is that kind of like positive uh, thinking? He goes, yes, that's the whole of Team GB. The reason why we did so well is across the board, every single event, they were told not to have any negativity. So if anyone says something negative, you, you hit them with a positive thing. And that's what made me jump. So actually taught me to have the courage to do it, but always to have positive thinking. And even as a comic, we do that. Like we say, if things are going badly, or you know, you say something negative and self-deprecating. But actually, if you stop doing that, you can turn an audience. And I think that that, that was why it was a life-changing thing. We talk about this Team GB positive thinking. Yeah. Well, no, I really agree with that. And this this year in Edinburgh, because last year I was quite negative about a lot of things. So it was good, partly because of the Olympics, there weren't many people around, and I was in a venue that was, you know, was very noisy, and I was having quite a difficult time. But but, but this year, I mean, it was quite bad last year. I got ill, but this year I've just decided like, whatever happens, and it's it's difficult to ascertain because it's going quite well this year. And people are coming to the shows. I'm getting quite nice reviews, so that's all right. But it's but it does. I think just that's partly because you are if you are going if you're going into it. Very positively, I think. Yeah, just yeah. Looking at the, the, the positive side, but I think it really does. Um, Even if you get a bad review, you just think, ah, person is an asshole. Well, I think you do, the more the more you do, Still you, hurts. You, 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 do, you do. But the more you do, I think the more you think, well, it is just. Uh, you think about this. There's 150, 200 people in an audience, or 70 people. There's always someone. You know, there's going to be. If you asked every single person, they'd all have a different opinion. Having one, but if someone goes, oh, I didn't like that joke, you're going to go, but you know, probably someone else in the room did. That joke wasn't for you. You can't go, I didn't like every single joke. Because the show, it's like people on Twitter. The show isn't, Twitter isn't for you. Yeah. My Twitter isn't for you. The, my show isn't just for you. My show is for everyone. So hopefully if you don't like this five minutes, you'll like the next five minutes. It's I think that's in life. I mean, I, I, I started watching Sex and the City a lot. That's just something I started doing. <laughs> but, but as Sarah Jessica Parker famously says, and it's very important, but there's always someone somewhere making a face about you. The only important thing is what you think about yourself. That's because... If you worry about other people, there's always someone who doesn't like it. Even when I come to, I, I saw someone go, oh god, not him. I saw someone say, oh, he's doing golf, what a shame. And there's always someone that will hate what you do, but you just, you know, it's like what we do as comics, when you, you look at a crowd, you focus in on people who are smiling, but often we overlook at someone who's like got their head down, or someone texts, and you think, oh god, they hate me, oh god, and you shouldn't do that. You no. always focus on good people, so there's always, there's always someone, there'll always be someone who doesn't like it. Yeah, and there's always, you're, you're never going to get, Everyone liking you. I think no. the interesting with Twitter, if you search your name, if you search Andrew Lilly or Rich Herring on there, you'll see honest opinions of yes. about your show, and some of them won't be very nice. You know, but that's that's kind of all right. I think as long as you can accept that, it's kind of all right. I find it, even Twitter trolling of some people who have said some appalling things, and you just say something back, go, oh, thanks for the thanks for the replies. They just want you to reply. Yeah, so yeah. They're not, actually not really being that nasty. They'll come with your fat bald git or something. I'll go, thanks. Because, oh, Facebook retweeted, well, and they get yeah. happy. So I think not, a lot of people are not as nasty as. No, they're, they're, big, they they're big over familiar and they think they're your friend and they think they yeah. can just call you a cunt. Uh, and, uh, can we say that one? Yeah, you say whatever you like. Motherfucker. I have no idea. Too late. We won't get some out. Just wait. We've only got five minutes. Oh, no! I swear. We didn't have to get them out now. In fact, I think we're going to have to go uh, to the competition uh, because we need, Simon Munnery needs to come on and do his fantastic show, which is always worth coming to see. If you're in Edinburgh, go and see Ben Moore, go and see Homid and George Hampton, Michael J. Dolan, go and see him, come and see me if you like. There's still some tickets. Uh, here, we've got the Pleasance Beyond. Uh, so we're going to be playing for, uh, we've got Ben Moore's book of his uh, play, each of us. That's a pretty good poster, Ben's po
You can win today. Uh, we've got a book, Does Anything Eat Bankers? I don't know why we've got that, but we have. Uh, we've got tickets to Dana Alexander, who's going to be a guest on a future show. Uh, some Haribo, of course, Colin. You won, yeah, you haven't won. You come every day, you just come for the prizes, right? You haven't won. Good luck today, Colin, I hope you win it. Uh, Modelling clay. Uh, I get given some of this. One of these, which I can't. Oh no, I've dropped all pens and leaflets. I can't say. Don't say what it is, so the people at home won't know. They'll be excited. There's always a secret prize. You could win that. Look how brilliant it is. All go. Oh, it's probably worth fifty or sixty pounds. Uh, my my latest DVD has just come out. Rich Chang talking cock with uh, me one versus me two. Snoo Chronic. Come and see that on August the twelfth uh, at the Assembly Three. If you want to see a live friend that ten, I'm giving a DVD away with my show this year. Ten. That's my best of DVD and my book talking cock. And you can also win this uh, upside down the banana. Open the wrong way up. There's something else on the floor. I think it's just Ben Moore's. Oh, it's, that's all right. That's something I'm going to do that another day. Tell me to send me a... Thanks, thanks, though. Thanks, Jesus. Jesus has come to... What, Richard, look, under the table. Yeah. That's why Jesus was thrown over those tables. There's something under the table. The truth. He's, I was looking at him, he's got very kind eyes. He's got those eyes saying, It's Jesus. You're right. overweight, but I can help you. I'm, I'm a nutritionist. He's a chef, I told you. Save 10 or 80 pounds. So, cool. we, so to win all that stuff, uh, we need you all to stand up. We're going to make some statements that are either true or false. Uh, if you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom, your own bottom, sir. Uh, and, uh, and if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. It's self-policing. Whoever wins will win all that stuff. I'll start you off with Omid was in a sitcom in America uh, with the star of My Two Dads, Greg Evergan. Is that true or false? He was in Greg Evergan. He was also in BJ and the Bear. Greg Evergan from My Two Dads. Is that true or false? Is that true or false, Omid? It must be false because I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, good, it's false. You were, with it. you were in a sitcom with Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. was from My Two Dads as well. He was the boring dad, not the Greg Evergan dad. But things no, were... Like, you got most of the audience down. Is anybody about did. Ten people stand there. Are. So you, have you got a statement of truth or falsehood? In 2002, I received, from my uh, Edinburgh show, Behind enemy lines, I received nine five-star reviews. Whoa! Which year? Two thousand two. Which year? True or false? Nine five-star. Nine five-star reviews. I hope you didn't. <laughs> Is that true or false? It's false. I didn't get seven. <laughs> Actually, no, I got six. There were six five-star reviews. Not nine yet. Wow, there you go. Is that the first, my first three reviews from my show this year were five-star reviews. I've never wow. seen anything like it. Then today's let it down. Two four-star reviews. Oh, very bullshit is that? Very, very, very upset. Four-star bullshit. <laughs> four-star. Who was that? Um, and talking of which, Steve Bennett, who is the uh, from Chortle, who I mentioned in my show at some length, uh, today sent me a link to a stories mocked up about my death. Is that true or false? It's a Chortle headline. That is true. I'll put it on my... Ah, uh, oh, Collins out. <laughs> no! <laughs> So what we've got with four people, five, a couple of people at the back. We've got the back as well. Yeah, we've got another, another question, another statement. Yes, um, in uh, 1996, I ran out of money at the Edinburgh Festival, so I was reduced to begging on the streets to buy a meal for myself and my family. Is that true or false? Will I go and get the modern clay that's just fallen down the True or false? Oh, I'm stuck under here. It's, I can't continue until you get up. Richard Herring is now on his knees behind me moaning. <laughs> What's the answer, Amit? It's true. It's true. It's really. Yes, uh, I ran out of money and I wanted to get a bag of chips. 
which is one pound fifty. I only had one pound on me. I said, please give me the bag of big bags. He said, no. So I went outside. I said, excuse me. I said, excuse me. Can I have a fifty pence to get a full bag of chips, please? I pissed off the English bastard. So I said, I said, hey, I just short fifty p. I said, hey, oh, I'll give it. I begged to get a big bag. Wow. In okay. a Scottish accent. Are we down to two, three? Are you, are you guys in? You're out. So you and you. All right. I'm going to do. Oh, I can't get into. I have to. I think I know what it is. Uh, I have banked some money for scope today. Uh, what? Whoever gets closest to the right amount by guessing is uh, is two days worth of collection of scope from my other show. The collection of scope. How much was it? If anyone gets the within three pounds, I'll give them fifty pounds. That's the extra. <laughs> that's the extra jeopardy. So it's not worth just going the closer. What? What do you think, sir? How much do you think I banked today? Two hundred thirty-six pounds. Good. What do you think, sir? Uh, two ninety-six. 296. You are the closest. It was 437. So no, nobody wins the bonus 50 pounds. That's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. Uh, so maybe you made it a bit more than th within three pounds, but they were they were 150 away. I'd have given it to him if he was a bit closer. So you've won. What's your name, sir? Uh, Stacy. Stacy. <laughs> it's so it's very dark here. I can't I can't always see. I can't always see the sex of the people. Are you from, where are you from, Stacy? Reading. <laughs> was, that was that difficult growing up in Reading being called Stacey? Yeah, yes. Do you want to become a guest on this? Yeah. We have, what age were you breastfed? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll give you prizes in a sec. I'm going to give out some leaflets to Ben more if anyone hasn't got them. Uh, so I might just dash out to the front. Uh, but please give it up for all my guests. Go back and see Ben Moore's show. It's fantastic. Go see Omicro.